Thanks for listening to the Mornings with Carmen LaBerge podcast, made available thanks to support from listeners just like you. Your daily encouragement that God has the world in the hollow of his hand. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. If we're gonna fly, we fly like eagles. Arms out wide. If we're gonna fear, we fear no evil. We will rise. By your power, we will go. By your spirit, we are bold. If we're gonna stand, we stand as giants. If we're gonna walk, we walk as lions. Yes, Bombo Genesis. Bombo Genesis. Uh huh. Bomb cyclone, crazy winter weather. You are probably under a winter weather warning where you are if, in fact, you are in, well, anywhere north of the Mason-Dixon in the United States of America. Um, My guess is you're going to have some nasty weather today. Some of you have already woken up to um, nasty comments from people. The, uh, The meanness conversation has uh, provoked a lot of folks on the text line this morning. So I see you. I hear you. I have not replied to all of you. I see your prayer requests, um, particularly uh, prayers for young people in our lives who are mean to us. I I see that. So just know that I'm praying for you. If you want to jump on the text line, it's always open, 877-933-2484. As if on cue... Um, Mean Girls is a movie that um, just premiered in New York a couple of days ago and uh, is, is, you know, it's going to be the the movie of the weekend. So we'll talk with our friend Adam Holtz about that in just a moment. Um, I want to have um, a conversation um, about Mean Girls. It, it's a, you know, it, Mean Girls are a big part of why the Samaritan woman was at the well by herself in the middle of the day. And Jesus intentionally went there in the middle of the day alone, sent the disciples off because he knew, he knew the mean girls in her town um, meant that she's going to be out there all by herself in the middle of the day, in the heat of the day, um, just to avoid them, just to avoid their mean looks and mean side, you know, halfway behind the hand conversations, you know, that loud whisper where people are talking loud enough for us to hear, even if they're acting like they're talking quietly enough for us to not hear. You know this reality. You have lived this reality on one side of it or another. Um, You have either experienced mean girls or you are one. And they're not just in junior high school or high school or college They're not just on social media. Mean girls become mean women. Clicks persist. Um, This is one of the ways that the spirit of the world has invested itself in and infested the church. You might have a mean girl in your small group. You might have a mean girl in your community group. Like, there are mean girls in the church. This is an issue of discipleship and mentoring and accountability. And when we think about the way that older, mature, well, they're not always older, but they tend to be older. I'm now older. I just found out yesterday um, via, you know, like, uh, 
be in an ad that like scrolled across social media, I'm now considered a senior, a, like a, because I'm, you know, over 55. Did you know that? That like, quote unquote, senior is now over 55. I'm like, that means like half of America is, te- well, anyway, whatever. Well, in my view, because, you know, in my view, I'm right in the middle, but apparently not. <laughs> okay. I, I digress. I'm so sorry. This is what a conversation with Carmen in real life looks like. So there you go. Um, so there are mean girls. And this is an issue of discipleship and mentoring and accountability. And so I'm thinking here about older women in the church, like myself, thinking about those of us who have been walking with Jesus for a long time, who do know the path of discipleship. It's our responsibility to engage with and start fostering a culture of kindness in the midst of a culture where meanness is being identified all the time. And if you, or you're not familiar with this, like the mean girls, they're the ones that get together as a clique and it's a mutually reinforcing society of meanness. And they identify the weak, the lonely, they target them with relational aggression. Sometimes it's passive aggressive behavior, but increasingly through social media, it's just aggressive behavior. And, they get some kind of terrible joy out of not just isolating people, but publicly abusing and humiliating them. And then reveling when that person takes isolating and sometimes negative action upon themselves. A lot of times it has to do with boys um, or men, um, relationships. And so we got to intervene. We have to intervene. Um, You can't just ignore meanness, and you can't ignore the mean girls, and we cannot ignore the mean girls in church. Um, So jealousy is an issue, and so we need to be speaking to the, the issue of jealousy, insecurity, not believing that God created you um, uniquely for, for goodness and greatness, Seeing yourself more highly than you ought and seeing others as, um, as less than yourself. So that's the issue of, of pride or seeing people not as God sees them. Pride is certainly um, at issue here. So today, clothe yourselves, all of you, this includes me, with humility toward one another. God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. First Peter 5, 5. I think that, you know, at root, at root, um, the mean girl, the mean woman, um, at the heart of it is a person who does not really know Jesus. And so we got to be praying for her. We got to be interceding before God for her. Um, And if the mean girl is you, then today is the day to let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Start being kind, tender-hearted, forgiving, as God in Christ Jesus has forgiven you. Ephesians 4, 31 and 32. If you are the target of the mean girl or the mean girls, just know you're not alone. Know you're not alone. You are seen, you are heard, you are beloved, you are blessed. And Jesus' words in Matthew 5, I just speak them over you if you're the target of the mean girl today. 
You've heard it said, you should love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who are persecuting you. If you love those who love you, what reward is that? If you only greet um, those who choose to greet you, what more are you doing than others? So yes, we have to go above and beyond. We have to go the second mile. We have to live as Jesus lived. And we have to love as Jesus loved, even the mean girls. Our friend Adam Holtz is going to join us next, and we're actually going to start with a review of the movie Mean Girls. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Adam Holtz is back with us from Focus on the Families Plugged In. Good morning, Adam. What's the weather where you are? Uh, my computer says 13 and clear, but I, I hear it's supposed to get down to like 10 below zero or colder this weekend. So, you know, yes, that's because that's because there's going to be a, let's all say it together. Five syllables. Bombogenesis. Bombogenesis, man. I know it's been reduced to bomb cyclone, but how much more fun is it to say bombogenesis? Go ahead. Go ahead. Have a party Uh, in your mouth and say the word. Well, even even polar vortex is pretty fun to say. Polar I mean, they're both vortex. Fun. Yeah. Bombogenesis. Next so, time when, on the weather. <laughs> I know, right? So when my nephew, who's now very big and is called the giant um, by some of the other kids in our family, um, when Larry was very, very little, he loved to say m- multisyllabic words. Like, uh-huh. um, he just, he loved it. And so this would be one of those where, Larry would probably say it like a hundred times, bombogenesis, bombogenesis. Right. Like he would like practice all the different places where you could put the inflection. And then he would say, huh, that is a party for your mouth. <laughs> I know. I just felt like that was a Friday thing I should share with you. That is funny. So let me use that as a segue back to your previous comment. And as another segue, this is a long bridge across the relational chasm to mean girls as i was listening to you um i couldn't help think of couldn't help but think of psalm one which Mm. starts out Mm. early and says do not sit in the seat of mockers which is interesting right you know we hear about slander we hear about profanity we hear about gossip i am not sure i could pull out another passage off the top of my head where that idea of mockery is in play and I think a lot of times at the core of meanness is that impulse to mock. And I think it's worth just taking a step back and asking the question, why do we want to make fun of stuff? Like what's going on there spiritually, psychologically? Uh, and for me, I'm going to answer that question. Um, I know that my combination of sarcasm and cynicism can often get a laugh, right? And so mm. it can get it can feel really good to have the affirmation of somebody thinking that you're funny. But when we're just taking shots at people, you know, it's one thing to make a, a clever observation about life that's funny. I actually think most really good humor comes from comedians who see life very clearly and are able to help us see the absurdity in it. But when it crosses that line and it's coming at the expense of somebody else, I think that we're sitting in the seat of mockers. And 
we have a culture that's full of mockery, uh, Carmen. I mean, I just get on TikTok or YouTube. I mean, how many of the short videos that that we may take some delight in are coming at somebody's expense, you know? And and not to get overly spiritual, but even stuff like before TikTok, we had America's funniest home videos, right? And mm-hmm. how many of those are people having accidents or pratfalls or doing something ridiculous? Uh, and again, a lot of that's innocent, right? I don't want to over-spiritualize, but do I have a heart of meanness? You know, do I have an impulse to want to mock other people or to make myself feel better at somebody else's expense? And and that's a spiritual issue, as you were talking about. Totally. All right, let's do a review of the movie since that is um, yeah. <clears throat> that's out there and in play. Yep. Tell us about yeah, Mean the, Girls 2024. Mean Girls 2024 is a reboot slash remake of the 2004 version, which starred Lindsay Lohan and Rachel McAdams. And uh, in that version and this new one, there's a girl named Katie who uh, this time around, she's being raised by a single mom who has um, been working in Africa. Katie has grown up being homeschooled in Africa um, and comes to America and ends up at a very privileged, very catty, very mean school and uh, comes into contact with the queen bee of the school, Regina, uh, and makes the the terrible mistake of expressing interest in Regina's ex-boyfriend. And at that point, it's game on. And the movie really is about how Katie kind of stoops to Regina's level um, to kind of to get her. And then has the sort of prodigal son awakening of, oh, I I actually don't want to be that kind of person. And so Mm -hmm. there is a a moral lesson here. This is a a satire. Um, That said, there is a ton of sexual and suggestive content. There is a much stronger emphasis on LGBT identity this time around than there was in the first one back in 2004. It's remarkable how even in the span of 20 years, culturally we're at a totally different place. And uh, that said, there are places that they dialed the script back and it's actually not as mean and not as nasty as the original. Um, I I do think we have grown culturally in understanding um, that that meanness has consequences and we're less willing to put some of those things on film. So it's in some ways there's some nuance there in other ways. I think I can safely say you don't have to go see a movie that's full of raunch and sexuality in the context of high school girls to know that, that being mean is a bad thing. Being mean is a bad thing. Um, And so uh, let me just speak here to a moment for a couple of people on the text line. We're talking with our friend Adam Holtz from Focus on the Family's Plugged In. Mean Girls 2024 is the movie that got me thinking about this topic today. Um, it's not just uh, it's not just girls. It's not just girls in junior high or high school or college no. or when when we're young um, who are um, affected by and in some cases destroyed. The language here on the text line from a mom. Um, is that her son was destroyed during college yes. by um, yeah. by mean girls. Um, he was the yeah. only male in a class of not only all female students, but all female professors. And um, 
This mom says, you know, it destroyed his trajectory. Well, Um, I I want you just to rewind. All of us can rewind the clock. And um, I remember vividly the verbal attacks that I took in junior high. I also remember perhaps not quite as vividly the time that I was dishing out some of those attacks. And I think for most of us, unless you're a really good person, which you might just be, Carmen, most of us, it's both and. You know, there were times that we were on the receiving end, but there were times when we enjoyed, for whatever reason, having the upper hand, you know, in terms of the social struggle and letting somebody else know where they sat in the pecking order. And I think especially in junior high and high school, um, everybody's getting socialized and trying to figure out how to do that. And so some of those attacks are vicious. I had vicious attacks on me. And, and I will also just connect the dots back to what happened in my hometown of Perry, Iowa last week, that all reports, you know, seem to indicate that the, the shooter there, um, that he was bullied viciously. And when they started bullying his sister, he snapped. And so sometimes meanness can have consequences that are mm. not merely hurtful, but life altering for those involved. Hmm. We're talking with Adam Holtz from Focus on the Families Plugged In. We're going to take a very brief break. Um, When we come back, we're going to pivot. We're going to talk about some new insights related to our teenagers, screens, and sleep. There's a new study out that most of us, the overwhelming majority of us, are not getting good sleep, not even like a third of the nights a year. And if we're not getting good sleep, then we're certainly not getting good rest. And when we're not well rested, well, all kinds of terrible things happen, not only to our bodies, but to our relationships. So how can we help our teenagers manage their screens in order that they can get better sleep? That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. What are some of the things that you find hard to believe? Do you find it hard to believe that God hears you? Do you find it hard to believe that God loves you? Do you find it hard to believe that right now God knows how many hairs there are on your head and how many are on your hairbrush? Like, do you sometimes find it hard to believe that God cares about you and the stuff going on in your life right now? My friend Susie Larson wants you to be reminded every single day, every single day, that God is good. Would you like to wake up to the goodness of God? Just text the word good to 877-933-2484. Every single day, you'll get encouraging text messages, prayers, and devotions from Susie Larson right on your phone. Just text the word good to 877-933-2484. Connecting Faith to Life, Faith Radio. Continuing our conversation with Adam Holtz, He serves with Focus on the Family's Plugged In Ministry. You can check out what we're talking about today and so much more at PluggedIn.com. Adam, you have um, a piece posted here on the Plugged In blog entitled Mm -hmm. Teens, Screens, and Sleep. Give us some insights. Well, we've long known that exposure to the light emitted by screens, and specifically the, the light that's problematic, is ultraviolet light can affect our sleep. And the reason for that is that when your eye and your brain process ultraviolet light, 
which is emitted through all of those flickering pixels, it tells your body that the sun is out, that it is time to be awake, that God has really wired us to respond to our environment. We're fearfully and wonderfully made, right? So that's not a new insight. What is a new insight? Well, let me actually stop there. That's why experts say, turn your screens off an hour before bed because it gives your brain uh, space basically to remember, oh yeah, it's nighttime. I'm supposed to be sleeping now. Um, as if your brain is you know, talking with a smiley face. Um, what they have just discovered, researchers at Penn State found a correlation between not only just screen time in general, but the kind of screen time that teens have during the day also correlates with their sleep. And they studied 475 kids. And they found that for each hour during the day that they texted, messaged, or played video games, adolescents fell asleep 11 minutes later. And if those activities occurred in the hour before bed, which face it, if you have teens or tweens that have smartphones, they're probably texting their friends. They got to bed 30 minutes later on average. Now, some of that may just be, you know, that was the activity that they were choosing and that pushed their bedtime back. But they are hypothesizing that those active forms of engagement compared to just watching TV or a movie or passively engaging with something on screens woke your brain up even more. So, the more you're engaged with a particular screen-based activity, it seems like that makes it even harder to get to sleep, which makes sense, right? I mean, there's a, there's a logic there that I think, even if they haven't proven that, that causation, the correlation makes sense to us. A lot of um, adults listening right now are watching, I mean, probably not right this minute, watching movies on their smartphone. Um, but that is something that a lot of people do. A lot of people play video games on their smartphones. A lot of people do something on their phone, even when they're with their kid who is doing something else on their phone. Like, right. part of this is learned behavior, and part of this is what we're modeling. Um, I don't think that we as adults escape uh, escape the ire here. Right. No, and in fact... There's a ton of research that shows that most parents are on their phones more than their kids are. So the reality is, as much as we want to pin this on the kids, um, our problem and our compulsions with phones uh, statistically are as bad or worse. And we're setting the tone. Our kids are going to do what we do. And so if we want our kids off their devices at night, guess what? we have to get off our devices at night too. And, and there is no sensitivity like a child's ability to sniff out uh, hypocrisy in parents, right? <laughs> like do as I say, not as I do. Now nah, mm -hmm. it doesn't work. They're going to do what we do. And if, if we're trying to hold the line there, but we think we can secretly cheat ourselves, guarantee your kids know what the score is. They do it's it's just a given. So this is an issue that we have to face together as families. Um all right, hey, we're going to leave it right there because if we start okay. down another uh, if we start down another topic, we're not going to finish it. I am wondering as we enter into this um Martin Luther King 
junior long weekend. Some of us have already entered the long weekend. Um, schools are canceled in lots of places across the country today because of um, weather. Um, and if you're in a place where it's going to snow a lot today, and I'm in a place where it's just that the wind is going to blow and it's going to rain. I know. I know you mock us. It's okay. I, I know you do. Um, <laughs> but let's be let's be praying today for people who do live in places where the weather's going to get nasty. And so, Adam, um, lift you up. Lift up uh, the place where you live and the people where you live. May God uh, keep you safe today. Um, and may, by his grace, we be back together um, to talk again in the near future. That sounds great, Carmen. I'll look forward to it. Thank you. Likewise. That's Adam Holtz. Check out what we talked about today, but so much more, so much more at PluggedIn.com. All right. So when you are asked, hey, how are you doing? How are things going? Do you ever say, oh, everything's fine? Mm-hmm. Do you, is that true? Like, what does that mean? I know there's like an acronym when we use when we use that. Um, maybe you know that acronym. Maybe you could share it with me if it comes to mind right now. 877-933-2484. Um, Katie Schnack is going to talk with us about the reality that everything is not fine. It's, it's just not. Everything is not fine. So how do we find strength um, to walk with Christ to make progress in our spiritual life? When life gets annoyingly difficult, that's her language. When life gets annoyingly difficult, when everything is not fine, how do we keep moving forward in faith? That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Everything is not fine. So why do we keep acting like everything is fine? Katie Schnack is here. She's the author of Everything is Not Fine, Finding Strength When Life Gets Annoyingly Difficult. Katie, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Hi, thanks for having me. Um, this is motivated out of what? What is This arises out of something. Uh, the entire book, you mean? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, for me, yeah, especially the title. I know everyone always is like, everything is not fine. What is with that title? Um, basically, I realized that there was a point in my life where I had for too long tried to be eternally optimistic and just say, oh, it'll be fine. Everything's fine. But sometimes in life, things come up that really are not fine. Um, and I, for me, I found that when you kind of acknowledge that and realize that, that's actually the first step that you can take towards healing um, and towards growing your faith as well. So um, everything is not fine kind of just starts um, with my son's medical journey. He was born with a very mm-hmm. rare um, illness. And um, it also talks about things like the pandemic and just parenting and just anything that's long and difficult. Um, and kind of just acknowledging that sometimes things are difficult, but it's okay to just own that. And then from there, start growing up in your strength and um, in your faith as well. Let's, um, let's roll back the clock. Um, tell us about Shepherd. Um, and I want to go, I, I don't want to just go to, hey, when he was born. Um, I want to go to like, I realized I was pregnant. Like, right, take us take us back and tell us about Shepherd. 
Sure. Yeah. So Shepard is five years old now. Um, if you saw him, you wouldn't know that anything was different. Um, but when I was at my 20 week anatomy scan, which if you've ever um, been pregnant, that's a very exciting day. You're just meant to go there and see your baby on the screen jumping around for a long time. Um, but we went there and our um, ultrasound tech got really quiet. Um, and we were like, hmm, that's interesting. And then they brought in the doctor and then they got really quiet. Um, so from there, we just realized that he had a heart defect in utero, um, which in itself was devastating. Um, come to find out after he was born, his heart defect was okay. And we just monitored it for a couple years. Um, but when he started sitting up, he was very crooked. And we were like, okay. And so we took him in for that. And then that led to more tests and more tests. And then eventually we got the diagnosis of Vactoral Association. Um, and he has deformities on several major organs like spine, spinal cord, kidneys, and heart. Um, so from there, it's just been a journey of becoming medical parents and kind of really just um, grappling with our faith in the midst of all that. Um, there's been about four surgeries. There's been countless tests and procedures. Um, and, you know, it just flipped our world upside down. And there's been a lot that we're so grateful for. Um, but at the same time, it was a very, very difficult journey. So I just wrote this book because um, anybody that's going through something similar, something that is so big um, and life altering that you cannot change, um, it's difficult. And so I hope that everything is not fine, kind of just walks along people or walks with people who are going through something like that. Um, and, you know, helps encourage them and lets them know that it's okay to have the big feelings and, you know, it to struggle and grapple with things. But um, ultimately, God is the one that's going to bring us through. So again, we're talking with uh, Katie Schnack. The book is Everything is Not Fine, Finding Strength When Life Gets Annoyingly Difficult. Um, I'm just going to go ahead and, well, I'm going to tell people that we have books to give away. But I'm also going to say out loud and right now if you, Katie, how old are you? If you don't mind me asking. Oh, I'm 36. <laughs> okay. If you're not 36 or younger, there is language in this book that you might trip over as, um, as a person of an age. And so I just want to acknowledge that. I want to acknowledge that Katie speaks freely um, and she talks about reality using real words that are used in the culture today. So, let me say that so that um, so that you know in advance this is this is a book that is written by a person of faith about reality. This is a book about reality, and she uses real words to describe um, how we all really feel, but sometimes we resist putting those kinds of words to how we feel. So I just, I want to say that. So we do have books to give away. You know the drill. If you want to enter the drawing for the copies of Everything is Not Fine, uh, text the word book to 877-933-2484. Um, Katie, I, um, you know, stories are sticky and people who have not walked in to a children's hospital with their own child in their arms, um, they don't know what that's like. Um, one of the things that you talk about is like nobody should ever have to do that. No, nobody should ever have to walk through the doors of a children's hospital knowing something's wrong with their kid. And then you've got to pass that little baby, that little child. You've got to pass them off to someone else. Um, can you, I know this is not what you're addressing, but can you talk about what might have been helpful to you and your husband in that moment? Would it have been helpful 
for somebody from church, maybe for an older disciple, um, would it have been helpful for somebody to have been there? That's a really good question. And um, unfortunately, now we're frequent flyers at the children's hospital. So it was very jarring in the beginning to be like, why am I even here? But now we're like, oh, is it food truck Wednesday today? <laughs> like, we like, <laughs> we go there all the time. But that's a great question. Um, yes, we over the past five years in our journey, we have been so blessed by our church community and just our family and friends. Um, I feel like this has made me a lot more empathetic for other people that are going through this too. And what has really been helpful for our family is just the basic things. You know, it doesn't have to reinvent the wheel, but just having meal trains after surgeries or like having people check in and just um, pray, pray for us. Um, my friends once made a basket for Shepherd to have at the hospital, just little acts like that. They mean the world. Um, they really, really do. And it might seem small and insignificant, but like for somebody going through something where their heart is like outside of their chest, um, those tiny little acts of love and grace, um, they're, they're everything. So definitely just things like that. Um, they really mean, they really mean the world to people. That's so good. Um, when you, when you think about what you've included in this book and you think about the journey that, um, that folks are on, you know, maybe still at the stage where they're just saying everything is fine, even when nothing is fine. It's not, that is not true. Um, is there, is there one part of the book that you want to turn to and highlight today? Um, I mean, I think that the end, so where I started in the book was a lot different, um, from where it ended and even more so after it came out. Um, so at the very end, I was just about to turn the book into my publisher, um, the final draft of edits. And we had realized that Shepard was going to need spinal cord surgery. And mm -hmm. that was, that was it. I was like, this is it. We can go no lower than this. Like we had to that point avoided surgeries up to that date. And I was so grateful for that, but it was kind of like all of my worries were coming to a head. Um, so I just, the very last chapter just kinds of walks through that moment where I felt like I was at my absolute lowest where there was, and there's nothing we could do to fix it, right? Like you can't fix that. We had to walk through the big, hard, scary thing. Um, and during that time when we were leading up to his spinal cord surgery, um, and I felt miserable, like crying in my bed, just like horrified, to be honest. Um, it was then where I felt Jesus so clearly keeping me standing upright when I shouldn't have been. Um, so I just think that that that's what it all is about. Like, even when we feel like we can't get up in the day and we can't go forward, like if we cry out to God and be like, honest, be like that I'm really, really struggling. Like sometimes that's where we do see God the, the most clear. And that's what I would kind of encourage people um, that it's not our own strength that we're leaning on, but it's God's strength. And that's a big strength. Right. And so, um, that's kind of what the whole book comes to a head. It's like at that moment when I was at my lowest, I felt Jesus the most clear and I'll never forget that. We're talking with Katie Schnack. Her book is Everything is Not Fine, Finding Strength When Life Gets Annoyingly Difficult. We do have um, copies to give away today. If you'd like to enter that drawing, text the word book to 877-933-2484. Um, he's five now. Um, I know it's impossible to, in any child's life, it's impossible to look ahead and say, what's the future hold? Um, what, what have, what has, what have medical people told you, um, is ahead? Like, what is his prognosis? 
Yeah, that's a good question. Um, so with Factral, it's um, really interesting because once you fix, quote unquote, all the body parts that are misbehaving, you know, there's a chance for things to be relatively normal. Um, so we've done um, kidney surgery and we've done spinal cord surgery. And now we're just kind of monitoring a couple other things. Right now, we're in a season of medical calmness, um, which mm. has been really interesting because we've been so accustomed to having something big and scary um, looming ahead. And right now, we don't. We could, and I know that, but right now, we're kind of just like decompressing and kind of like trying to like process all the trauma that we've been through the last five years um, because we don't know what the future holds. And I mean, that's in any case in life, like we don't. Mm -hmm. And honestly, it could be nothing but amazing things, or it could be another big surgery. Um, so kind of like learning how to like live in that juxtaposition about of like, okay, we don't know. Um, but right now, today, this month, this year, things are good. And so we're just kind of savoring that time as a family and just doing as many like fun, normal, like happy things that we can. Which takes us actually to the beginning of the book. And so let's take a very brief break. And when we come back, let, let's actually talk about not making something a big thing until it's a thing. Um, that That's just a really helpful place to start the conversation. And that's part one of Katie Schnack's book, Everything is Not Fine, Finding Strength When Life Gets Annoyingly Difficult. Um, you should text the word book to 877-933-2484 to enter the drawing for the copies of the book we have to give away today. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. Maybe you've heard that Faith Radio partners with One Child to offer you the opportunity to sponsor a child living in difficult circumstances in a hard place. Well, when you sponsor a child supplying for their needs, you change a life. And when you change the life of one child, you change the world. Your one child learns that God loves them more than they can imagine and that God's got special plans for their life. Your one child gets help with school and is taught skills like leadership and how to even overcome poverty. Your one child gets nutritious food and vital medical care that can be life-saving. You might not be able to change the world, but you can, in fact, change the life of one child. Meet the kids. Find your child at MyFaithRadio.com. Hey, thanks so much for participating in the conversation. Uh, the text line is open, 877-933-2484. Uh, a friend in the 608 area code says, when our two-year-old daughter was hospitalized with a brain tumor, a friend gave blood in her name, and it was a wonderful gift. So thankfully, our daughter is now 44 years old, um, praying for uh, Katie and her family today. Another friend um, has uh, has said, wow, that was the nudge I needed. I knew that um, that God was leading me to give my paid time off to a colleague whose child is hospitalized, and I am now processing that paperwork. So there are tangible gifts that you can give to parents today um, who's, who are walking this kind of journey. Um, we're talking with Katie Schnack. Her book is Everything is Not Fine, Finding Strength When Life Gets Annoyingly Difficult. It, it is, um, uh, uh, it, it's just this beautiful invitation into their life and the way God has led them um, for the last five years since 
um, her son Shepard was born with a medical, with a lot of medical complexities. I just think I'll leave it at that. Um, he is growing right now. They are in a season of medical calm, as Katie has described. Um, Katie, uh, can you just take us to the beginning of the conversation? What does it mean, you know, don't make it a thing until it's a thing? Uh, it's, it's so good. Yeah, and that's something that even to this day, I continue to remind myself, um, even with little things like, you know, money worries or whatever. Um, it's something that's just a it's a good thing to continually work on. Um, I have an aunt who in the 80s had um, twin preemie babies. And so when we were early in our own medical journey, um, she was kind of the one who really understood what it was like to be at that children's hospital, right? To like mm-hmm. not know what was going to happen. Um, and I really connected with her in a way that I hadn't before over that. And she um, she said like when we were in the hospital with our babies, like um, her and my uncle, they would just say, let's not make it a thing until it's a thing. Because with anything in life, there's so many what ifs, like what if this happens? Um, what if it goes bad? But what I've seen over our journey that like sometimes it's okay, like sometimes things go well. Um, so until you actually get that diagnosis or that test result, um, my husband and I, we always just remind ourselves like let's not make it a thing until it's a thing. Um, and that clearly can be applied to so many areas in life. Um, and it just kind of brings you back to like the moment that you're in and just like we don't know what the outcome is going to be. Um, we know the God that we trust and serve. Um, so until something is bad, um, you know, let's just assume that it could also be good. There's no question that um, those of us who have walked the journey of medical complexity uh, have a ministry opportunity. We we can comfort others with the comfort with which we've been comforted, um, like like you and your family, uh, we have spent a lot of time at the Children's Hospital. Um, frequent flyers, for sure. Uh, Matthew's now 18, so we, uh, we have fewer and fewer reasons to spend long periods of time um, in the hospital. Because like you, like once those issues uh, are addressed um, and he learns how to uh, manage and cope with some of them um, that we're not going to address, um, there's just less reason to be there. But uh, I will tell you, Katie, that I, I really resonated with so much that you said in your book um, and having walked the the cancer journey um, with my sister when my nephew, who, you know, praise be to God, is now at college. But when he was seven, um, we started that journey. And, and, and it's long. And it's every step of it, you you fear the next step. You fear the next prick. Um, the pain is real. It is, it, it is some of the things that we watch our children endure feel utterly barbaric to us. And everything is not fine, but we still have to like function. We still have to go to work. We still have to, you know, clean the house. I mean, like whatever. And so there are things that others can come alongside us in community um, and help us manage and do, but that requires us being honest with others. Can you talk about how you maybe got over that hump, like how to just start being really honest about what you guys needed? Yeah, absolutely. And I think especially like as believers, um, my first instinct when this all happened was to be like, oh, like we will be strong and we can inspire others. But the reality is when you're going through something that's really, really challenging, like that's not 
going to always be your first response. Right. And so, um, that is where that honesty came in, um, early on for me, like when I did realize like, okay, like this isn't okay. Like it's not okay watching my son suffer. It's not okay. All those things you get it too. Um, Mm -hmm. so when we did kind of realize that and acknowledge it and just say to our people, we're like, we just need prayer. Right. And like you said, Mm -hmm. like, how do you get up and function? Like, when you're facing something that's just so detrimental. Um, And like, that is where prayer comes in. Like there were so many days, like, especially leading up to that first surgery, where like, all I would do is I would get up, I text my friends, I'd be like, please pray for us today. Like, you know, we're really struggling. Like I drink as much caffeine as possible. Um, And then I had like a playlist of um, really like upbeat worship music that I kind of just surrounded myself with. And that's it. Right. And like, we would just like, lean completely on the Lord, be honest with our people that like we needed, we needed prayer. And then just kind of like look for those tiny little bits of joy um, throughout the day. Because especially when you're a parent, like, yes, things can be hard and challenging, but there's also so much joy to be had, right? Like with the kids and just being silly and laughing. So we would try to just like lean on that. So I don't know. I think that nobody benefits from pretending that everything's okay when it's really not. Um, like I feel like if I can share my story, honestly, like other people, when they're walking through something have permission to do so as well. Um, so yeah, I'm always just kind of like open when we need support and we need prayer. Um, and I would just hope that like the people in my life or anybody reading my books, um, would be able to feel the same. That's so good. Um, Katie, thank you so much. It's a privilege to, um, to meet you today in this way. Um, blessings upon you and your family. Blessings upon Shepherd and the journey um, which lies ahead. I hope you'll come back and talk with us again um, as, as the journey continues and the Lord leads you to write other things. Thank you so much. Yeah, so good. Um, what are you walking through? Who do you know in your community, in your neighborhood, in your church? at your child's school that is walking through a mess right now? Um, how might you come to better understand what they're experiencing and, and then by that become empathetic and walk with them the next stretch of the journey? That's what Katie's book is going to provide for you, a window into um, how Christian believers walk in the midst of the mess. Uh, the book is Everything is Not Fine. Finding Strength When Life Gets Annoyingly Difficult. We are giving away copies today. You can enter the drawing um, to receive one of those copies by texting the word book to 877-933-2484. Yes, yes, it's Friday, so there ought to be a Friday Farm Report. Let's see. Friday Farm Report. Uh, Jim finally took down the two trees that have been um, over the course of months now, dropping limbs uh, on the equipment shed. Uh, Finally, one of those limbs like speared right through the roof. And, you know, so that motivated him. Uh, So it's been one of those weeks. Um, Trees trees are down. Uh, This is also the final weekend of the hunting season where we live. So uh, he left a couple of days ago uh, for a bow hunt. And he'd been gone about an hour and a half when uh, my phone rang and he said, hey, could you go look in my office? Is my bow laying on the floor? Oh, that moment. That moment when as a wife, you say to yourself, hmm, yes, I must now carve out an hour of time to take the bow halfway to where uh, he now is. So that's what we did. You know, some days are like that, right? Um, What could you do for somebody else? Not amplifying, 
not amplifying the mistake they made, but just doing the right thing, the good thing, the thing that we would want somebody else to do for us. What's the golden rule opportunity going to be for you today? Um, it's possible that the um, bombogenesis would supply you the opportunity to um, be gracious to someone today. It might be, you know, going ahead and blowing the snow off the next part of the sidewalk or the next driveway. It might be, um, you know, helping somebody that doesn't know how to drive uh, in um, in severe winter weather. You know what? Give them a little counsel and coaching. Yeah, be kind, be gentle, drive slowly, leave lots of gaps between you and the person in front of you. That would be my my counsel today. Stay warm. Um, get close to Jesus. Get yourself into the word of God before you get out there into the world that God so loves. Let's uh, live today in ways that honor Jesus and let's represent him well in the culture in which we live. Oh, yes. And this will cost you nothing. Be kind. Be kind. We'll talk again soon. God bless. Thanks for listening to Mornings with Carmen LaBurge. Podcasts like this are available because of your support. If it's important to you to hear things that encourage your faith, click the link in the show notes to give now. And thanks.